This podcast is not meant to be professional advice of any kind. It's meant to be informative and entertaining. If you make any changes to your life, see the appropriate professional before you do so. What kind of super ager are you? Go to ageist.com slash quiz. Take the super ager quiz and we'll send you directed personalized information to help you super age the best that you can. Welcome to Super Age. My name is David Stewart. I am the founder of Ageist and your host on the Super Age show. We talk about how to live healthier, how to live longer, and how to be happier. And who doesn't want that? Today's show is brought to you by Inside Tracker, the dashboard to your inner health. Go to insidetracker.com slash ageist, save 20% on all their products. Today's show is also brought to you by SRW. Aging is inevitable, but how we age is chiefly a matter of our choices. If you go to srw.co, you can save 20% on all their products by using the code AGIST20 at checkout. This show is also brought to you by Element, L-M-N-T, my favorite electrolyte mix. It's what I put in my water in the morning, and it's what I put in my water at the gym. Go to drinkelement.com slash AGIST and receive a free eight-serving sample pack with any purchase. Welcome to episode 156 of the Super Age Podcast. This is going to be dropping on October the 18th. 2023. This week on the show, we're in Park City, Utah, where it is getting chilly. There's a little bit of snow up the mountains, and it is beautiful. This week, I'm going to be talking about my knee. So I had knee surgery back about now um, seven, eight weeks ago. Why I had knee surgery, the process, going through the whole like medical system, getting insurance approvals, all that stuff. And then the recovery modalities that I used to sort of get back to where I am now today. So I'm going to be going through those in a fairly granular way. We've had a lot of questions about what I was told to do, what I did, and why I'm doing what I'm doing. That's going to be the entirety of the show today. We're not going to do that little bit that we usually do every week, which is just try this, because really the whole show is that this week. It's all about what I did and suggestions that perhaps you can take away if you're thinking about having some kind of surgery or if you're, you're thinking about how to recover from it best, I'm going to give you my experience and what the advice that I was given by my medical professionals, and hopefully that will be useful to you. So we're going to get with that in just a moment after a quick word from our sponsors. Today's show is brought to you by SRW Laboratories. Out of New Zealand, their vision is to extend human health span. SRW Labs curates the very latest in science and research to formulate premium nutraceuticals that support your cellular health, especially as you age. Working with their scientific advisory board, they seek to understand and address the causes of aging at a cellular level, providing support across 12 bodily systems with an approach that is unique to SRW. They know that doing one thing well, such as eating healthily, won't have the desired effect on your health. This is why SRW seeks to educate people on the factors that influence aging and, more importantly, biological age. Use the code AGIST20 at checkout and save 20% off any order. Go to srw.co, .code, not .com. Use the code AGIST20 at checkout. Save 20% on all their products. Hydration is not just about pounding water. We have to have some electrolytes in there, specifically sodium, potassium, and magnesium. 
My favorite electrolyte mix, the one that I use every day, is Element, L-M-N-T. You know, one of the things that I learned last year was the importance of sodium. We may actually not be getting enough sodium. And I know there was a lot of sodium fear out there. And it's true, if you have hypertension or are pre-hypertensive, you do want to check with your doctor. But for most of us, having sodium actually helps us to absorb water. And in fact, drinking straight water without any minerals in it, we will be pulling the electrolytes out of our system. Go to drinkelement.com slash ages. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T dot com slash ages. Get a free eight serving sample pack with your next order. My favorite one is citrus salt. What's yours? Let me know. Hey guys. So to organize this today, I'm going to talk a little bit about why I got surgery. What were the circumstances that led me to get surgery? What are the things that you should know about getting surgery? Then what are the sort of modalities like right out of the gate that worked very well for me? Then we're going to talk about my conversations with Dr. Scott Scheer about how to maximize my recovery, minimize my recovery time, the various supplements involved in that, protein, its effect on that. We're going to talk about HBOT and my experience there. We're going to touch on PT, physical therapy, and how very, very important that is. And then we're going to talk a little bit about my experience with Katsu, which is blood flow restriction technology. It's somewhat different than a lot of the other things you see out there. And hopefully these things will be helpful to you should you find yourself getting having to go for surgery or considering getting surgery. Because the considering of the getting surgery, I think, is very important. Thinking about how that's going to happen and the sort of hoops you got to go through. And, and also in there, we're going to talk a little bit about the finances of all this. So the insurance ramifications, the, you know, the lovely American financial medical insurance cabal that's out there and, and how I managed to deal with them and for better or worse. And hopefully that's, that's useful to you guys. All right. So let's begin this story with why would I get surgery? Why would I get surgery on my knee? Now, surgery is something that I've had several times in the past. And it's something that I'm very cautious about. And the reason I'm cautious about it is because surgeons tend to, how should I say, overpromise and underdeliver on the recovery side of things. I haven't had any bad consequences from the surgeries I've had. I had my appendix out, geez, maybe 30-some years ago. Then I had my spleen out um, because I had an autoimmune, very strange blood disorder. And the only cure for that was spleen removal. And spleen removal is not something one undertakes casually. And the recovery from both of those were quite something, quite unexpectedly difficult and painful and long. I've had sinus surgery where I was told I'll be fine in a couple of days. It was eight weeks of like messy hell, the worst surgery I ever had. So I'm very cautious of the surgery thing, and it's not something that I go into lightly. So why would I do this? Well, my left leg it's just not been as strong as my right one for the past, I don't know, several years. But I just sort of wrote that off to like, well, you know, maybe you're right-handed and you're right-legged or something. You know, my left arm isn't as strong as my right arm and, you know, what's the worry? Well, what started to happen was around May of last year, my knee started to get quite sore. And then by June, it basically stopped working. The joint stopped working. So, there was enough fluid had built up in the capsule around where, where the knee is, and it went to the back of the knee, forming this large bursa, impinging upon 
both the hamstring tendon and the tendon for the calf muscle, that my knee stopped working. Okay, we got to do something about that, right? It's really good to have a functioning knee. So I called up uh, one of my docs here, which is Dr. Mac Testa. Max was the team doctor, I believe, for 28 or 29 Tour de France. We've had Max on the podcast in the past. Max is my go-to doc for things that involve athletics. And fortunately, I was able to see Max fairly quickly. So this is, I just want to put a timeline on this because this is something else to understand. Any of this stuff, unless you're some elite athlete, this the whole process, it just takes forever. So I went to see Max and Max said, yep, you, you got some problems here. Let's get an x-ray. Uh, he said, just go down the hall, and get the x-ray. So Max practices at the Park City Hospital. Word to the wise out there, if you're ever going to get any kind of imaging, don't do it in the hospital. I found this out the hard way because what was normally a $25 x-ray of my knee became a excess of $200 um, for like three shots of my knee. Wow. Okay. So Max looks at these and says, huh, well, there's nothing sort of like, you don't have any broken bones or anything in there. Let's just see if this swelling goes down. And if it doesn't, you know, we'll move on. We'll get an MRI. Two weeks later, swelling doesn't go down. So MRI. Okay. Now, for all of you out there that are, somebody's telling you you should get an MRI, let me tell you some tricks of the trade here. So Max told me about a place in Salt Lake City. I believe it was called Reyes MRI World or some some goofy thing. All they do is like MRIs all day, every day. And the deal is, if I went in there and paid them cash, it was 400 bucks. If I went through insurance, my cost was closer to $800. Now, at the time, I was just thinking like, well, okay, let's that's clearly, I'll just pay cash. But because I had a lot of other medical expenses coming up with a knee operation that I wasn't anticipating, I, I may not have done that. All right, so what I want to get across here is you can price shop MRIs. They are wildly different prices. If, if I had gotten that same imaging done in the hospital, it would have been in excess of $3,000. So don't do that. <laughs> you know, you make a few phone calls and save yourself a huge amount of money. All right, I get the MRI. No, not a big deal. It took like 30 minutes. It's a, it's a big donut-shaped magnet thing, and it goes bing, 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 bing. And since I wasn't actually inside it, it was my leg. It wasn't a big problem, right? So now I'm thinking, okay, great. Max will get the MRI, and, you know, everything will be fine. So I get a call later. Maybe it's about a week. Max calls me. And I say, hey, Dr. Max, how's it look? He's like, oh, we have some problems here. Well, those pro- it was 10 minutes of Max describing all the different issues my knee had. He scared the heck out of me. He's like, oh, your, your cartilage is almost worn down. It looks like you might have a previous ACL issue, issue here. The knee's not stable. And then your meniscus, it's a mess. And there's something going on in the back of the knee, too. You need to see, like, a knee specialist. I'm thinking, oh, <laughs> that was not the outcome of the conversation I was thinking was going to happen here. So, okay, uh, now we're, so those steps brought us to about middle of July. So now we're six weeks into the knee problem. Next step is I make an appointment with Dr. Vern Cooley, who's here in Park City. And Vern's reputation is he's, you know, top five knee scope doctors in the country. And I am a lucky duck that he's here. I have a meeting with Dr. Cooley, and now we are probably mid-July, towards the end of July. And so he looks at the MRI, and 
I'm terrified <laughs> at what he's going to tell me. And he's looking at it, and he says, you know, the cartilage looks, some cartilage looks in good shape. I said, really? He's like, oh, yeah, you got a lot of cartilage remaining there. Um, all good. No no arthritis. You're That's good. And I said, well, ooh, but what about the instability, the ACL? And he's like, what are you talking about? I said, well, my knee doesn't feel stable. He's he, pull, he grabs my knee and twists it around and stuff, and he's looking at the MRI, and he says, no, your knee is totally fine. There's no stability issues. ACL is solid. So, whew, my relief. And I said, well, Vern, it feels unstable. What he tells me is genius. He says to me, this is perceived instability. So your brain thinks the knee is unstable because you have this irritation in your meniscus. But your knee is stable. Whew, okay, great. So, okay, Dr. Cooley, what's the plan? He's like, well, we got to go in there. You can see your meniscus is a bit frayed. Well, fair enough. I've been using it pretty heavily for 64 years. Okay, a little bit of damage. He says, but it's not torn. That's good. So we don't have to go in there and do stitches. That's That would be more invasive. We just need to essentially polish out the little sort of tears and frays, which are what is causing this irritation and it's causing the fluid to build up. So I'm thinking, okay, so when can we do that? Because sooner is better, right? In my mind, sooner is absolutely better because I haven't really been able to exercise on the thing now for, you know, six weeks. And I know that after surgery, there's going to be a period where I'm not going to be able to use the knee. And, and every day that I don't do that, the muscles in my legs will be atrophying. And because I'm 64, advanced age, it's going to take me for every day that I that I atrophy, it's going to be two days to build that muscle back. So I'm kind of doing the math on this and I'm thinking, whoa, okay, let's get this over with. So we go to scheduled um, surgery and I have some traveling I have to do in August that, that's important. And I said, well, can we get in like before and then we do this on a Tuesday and then I can fly on a Friday. And they just look at me like I'm a crazy person. They're like, your leg is going to be completely wrapped in bandages. You may even be bleeding. You cannot, absolutely not get on an airplane. <laughs> and they're worried, of course, about deep vein thrombosis and, and other things. This is just a bad idea. So, okay, can't do that. So now surgery is now gets delayed till 29th of August. The process, again, started early June, so now we're like three months into this. So as soon as we schedule surgery, then the next part is ah, the insurance. Now, I have no idea what a knee surgery costs. And guess what? None of them do either. This is just one of those things that makes me insane about the medical system. It is the only place on earth that I go in and I say I would like a whatever. And you, you, there's no price attached to it. It's just, well, we'll let you know at the end. Well, in what other universe does that happen? None, right? Only here. So, okay. So um, first call is to the insurance company. And they're like, yes, you've been approved. Great. Okay. Then what you have to understand when you have surgery like this, there are three different players involved here. There is the doctor who's doing the actual surgery. There is the wherever you're getting the surgery done, which is an additional charge, in this case, the hospital or surgery center. And then there's a third charge for the anesthesia people who are on a whole other track. So you get these three things going on. And 
you know, I, I asked them, so I had these conversations with the insurance company, like, okay, so how, what are we looking at here? Well, so they start going through, I, I believe in mine, my copay goes to 80, 20 after I spent something like $1,500 and my max out of pocket is 6,000. And it's clear that this thing is going to be in excess of that. So, okay, that's what we're going to do. Now, the, the only upside to this is that I, I'll have no further medical bills like until my policy year ends, which for me is uh, end of March. So that, I guess, I, I guess that's kind of a good thing. But they, you know, the thing about this is it's all upfront. So I got a $500 bill from the doctor's office before they even wanted to start any of this. The bill from the hospital was, I don't know, had a five in front of us. It was like $5,500, something like that. So we're already at like $6,000. And that's just the way it is. You got to pay them or they don't do their work. Okay. And then, <laughs> and then the anesthesia people haven't even entered the party yet. But they're get, they'll be fully covered by the insurance. So that's that whole thing. And it's really important, you guys. What this is called is elective surgery. So this is not emergency surgery. It's elective surgery that all this stuff that you really get all the codes in and all the different approvals and all that kind of stuff. Because if you don't, and the insurance company is not on board with this, I don't even want to think what that would cost. All right. That really got me worked up. I don't know. In- insurance, medicine, money. I mean, it's great care, but just madness. Okay, so... Now that was sort of figured out. Then we get to the actual event. And everybody that I'd spoken to said, you need to get one of these machines, one of these cold compression machines. Sometimes they're called polar care. They have a lot of different words for these things. But essentially what this is, is it's sort of a wrap. It's like this like Velcro wrap thing that has tubes in it. And it goes to this big machine. And what the machine does is it pumps in cold, I'm guessing water, some fluid goes in there, to cool it down to whatever temperature you dial in. In my case, 40 degrees, which is as cold as it would go. And then it will also apply compression 30 seconds off and then, I don't know what it is, 10 or 20 seconds off at whatever pressure you so desire. And everyone I spoke to said, yeah, you want one of these things. And fortunately, I think it was like, I don't know, some crazy amount of money for this thing. I think it was like $1,500 or something. But at that point... I, everything was like fully, I was maxed out on all of my out of pocket. So yeah, bring it on, give me the machine. And the machine is a lifesaver. So for any of you guys out there, if you're going to have surgery, some, something where you can like apply this, this technology. So the ankle, hand, shoulder, elbow, knee, maybe you could work it on the hip somehow. It's just like magic. I had this thing attached to my knee for four days, nonstop. And I took it off on that Saturday, and I had basically zero swelling, like zero. It was just astonishing to me. So a couple of pro tips if you get one of these things. You want to keep it as cold as it'll go, and 40 degrees is as cold as it'll go. And the nice thing is 40 degrees, you're not going to get frostbite, and you can keep it on all the time. The compression... Because it's got this cycle on off and you can increase the pressure and the docks will tell you like what pressure you can put it at. You only want that on during the daytime. So I slept with this thing on. It was like attached to me for four days. I didn't take it off. 
But at night, you don't want that like of the compressor going on for 30 seconds and then silence and then on again and your whole body's vibrating. And I, I did that the first night. Did not sleep a lot. That, that just was not a good way to go. But the results of the thing were fantastic. Now, when they sent me home from the hospital, um, Dr. Cooley said, uh, listen, he looks at me, he's like, I know your type. <laughs> your challenge is going to be to stay quiet. <laughs> he was right. So I got out of the hospital. It was about, I don't know, one o'clock or so. They sent me to the pharmacy and I went with my wife because I was you know, still sort of zonked. And then they said, here, we want you to fill a prescription for Oxycontin and some other drug to go with it so you don't get sick from the Oxycontin. And they said, you might be in excruciating pain. I never touched the Oxycontin. I hate, I don't even, hate is even just strong enough word for opioids. They just, I, they disgust me. I hate, I've been on them in the past and I really don't like it. The strongest drugs I took for this were, I was taking ibuprofen, 800 milligrams, three times a day. So like every like six hours or so. And then I would alternate Tylenol, two Tylenols, like in the middle of the ibuprofen cycle. So I was constantly under some kind of pain deadener, but my knee didn't really hurt that bad. It was like, it was okay. Now, before we started the, the surgery, the week before, knowing that I've got this coming up and, and you know, I have this history of surgeons over-promising, under-delivering on the recovery part, even though everybody was saying like, hey, it's just a simple scope clean out. You're going to be fine. I'm thinking, yeah, I've heard this story before. <laughs> so what can I do to just like make sure this really goes as quickly and easily as possible? I called Dr. Scott Scher. And Scott, uh, we've had on the broadcast here a couple of times. Great guy. And one of the things that his areas of expertise is optimizing the recovery of elite athletes. So they you know, reduce the recovery time by 50%. So I am not an elite athlete. However, this cutting down recovery time, that sounded really good. And you know, I, I had maybe an hour-long conversation with Scott about what to do. First thing Scott tells me is that as a result of surgery, any surgery, what is going to happen is your body is going to go catabolic. And in a catabolic state versus an anabolic state. So an anabolic state, you're building things up, you're, you're building proteins, building muscle. Catabolic, you are you know, breaking down your existing proteins to you know, help with this wound healing. So he said, first order of business, we want to reduce that if we can, as much as we can, and, and try and keep you anabolic if possible. How do we do that? Clean diet. He said, nothing, don't, no sugars, no crappy processed foods, none of that. And so I don't really eat much of that stuff anyway. So that was easy. And then he said, well, now we have to up your protein intake. I said, well, what are we talking here? Well, we're talking a gram per pound of body weight. So I weigh 170 pounds. That's 170 grams of protein. And I sort of squawk about that. I was like, well, oh my God, like how, <laughs> how can I eat that in a day? And he's like, yeah, it's a lot, but, you know, get yourself some whey shakes, drink collagen before you get to bed, you know, whatever you got to do, just get it in there. And I did that for the, the six week period. And now I'm seven weeks and I'm can sort of go down to a more normal. I don't really count my macros. No, I don't. I mean, I sort of have an idea, 
but it, we're probably in about like 120 grams of protein, something like that a day. It too much animal product just I don't want to offend anybody, but it, it kind of grosses me out. There's only like so much of that that I can eat. And the, you know, the, the vegan, the pea protein, all that stuff, it doesn't really work for my stomach. So uh, glad we're out of that phase. Now, in that conversation with Dr. Sher, he, he told me a number of other things. So I, I'm just going to sort of go through in the order that he told them to me. And hopefully these will be helpful to you. This is based on my conversation with him talking about my situation. So I don't know how applicable this will be to others. See, this might be useful to you. So the, the first thing is to continue to taking MitoPure. So MitoPure is a supplement I've been taking for, I want to say like eight months or 10 months and maybe more. I think it's been about a year. It is what I attribute my ability to athletically recover from to because it is a, uh, it causes something called mitophagy. And mitophagy, it's a great word, mitophagy is autophagy with mitochondria. It means it cleans out sort of bad, not so well-functioning mitochondria and replaces them with better ones, better energy. And if you're recovering from some kind of surgery, you want things like your immune system, your ability to build protein, all this stuff. You really want that stuff game on. I take 500 milligrams of MitoPure every day. And, I, and like I said, I have for 10 months. I think it's a brilliant supplement. The next thing he said to me was vitamin D. I take somewhere between 5,000 and 10,000 IUs of vitamin D a day. I know it's a huge amount, but again, this is personalized to me because my ability to absorb vitamin D or make vitamin D doesn't seem to be like quite as well as other people's. So in order for me to keep my levels at somewhere around 50, I need to take a lot of that stuff. He said, well, Put it on the upper range of that for like six weeks, 10,000 a day. All right. Next, he told me, take some zinc, take some glutathione, take some NAC, 500 milligrams, two times a day. Keep taking your omegas with fish oil, uh, taurine, and alpha lipoic acid. The next thing we discussed was HBOT, which is hyperbaric oxygen therapy. And... I'm just going to divert into this for a second so you guys know what I'm talking about. It is, it's a tank. It's a pressurized either tank or sort of hard-sided tent type thing. And you get in it, and depending on what version of it you're doing, so the, if you have something to do with your brain, you, you want the higher pressure ones that they generally have in hospital settings. They're like these hard-sided tubes, 100% oxygen, very dangerous unless you have professionals dealing with this thing. The one that I use is, is much more, I want to say like consumer level. So there's a facility down in Salt Lake that I went to and they have this, it's sort of like a tent and it's, it's, it's a bit triangular so you can sit in it, which is really nice. And then they put these little tubes in your nose. Um, so it's an oxygen condenser that you're, you're breathing. So you have a higher level of oxygen. And what Scott told me was you want to do five times a week for two weeks. So 10 sessions of this. And that's what I did. The first couple sessions I did, my leg was still wrapped up um, because I, I really wanted to get in there as quickly as possible to get this to get the healing going. There's a lot of data out there about wound healing and HBOT. So I was like, okay, bring it on. Let's do that. Now, the, the nice thing about being in there is you can you can use a term scott calls it stacking modalities i guess that's the right term stacking so you're doing a couple things at once 
And with when I was in one of these HBOT things, and it's it's sort of like it's sort of like going camping. It's like a really small tent, but but you're in there. You know, you're not you're not going anywhere for an hour and a half. You're just like in there. You, you can use your phone, use your laptop, which I did. You can listen to music, whatever you want to do. But I also used a thing called a it's called a jazz rap by this company DNA Vibe. I have no interaction with them. I just think it's a great product. Scott is the one who told me about it. It's a wrap and it has um, red light and near infrared light in it. It also vibrates. And so you can just wrap this thing around the knee and it's got a little battery pack. And so I would just do that for, you know, I would be in the HBOT and then I would put the red light vibrating thing on the knee uh, while I was in there. So I get like, you know, double effect. I also use this same Jazzwrap DNA Vibe wrap thing red light wrap thing on my knee he told me three times a day 20 minutes a day i think at the beginning yeah i think i did that the first maybe like three or four weeks and then i use it less Uh, i originally got one of these things for um like muscle spasms and it worked great um it's a nice it's a nice thing made in america and and i had a problem with the first one and customer service was great so there you go now the next thing about recovery from any of this stuff is pt so I'm going to refer to it as PT. It's physical therapy. And there are various flavors of this stuff. So there are better versions of it and less skilled versions of it. My advice, should you be getting surgery at some point, is spend a little time on the front end, not just getting the best possible surgeon you can, because, hey, it's your body. Make sure it gets done right. You also want highly skilled PTs. And I've had PTs in the past who, you know, I don't know what they were. They just, they had no idea what they were doing. Um, but the PTs here, I'm, I'm going to give a, a shout out to Mountaintop Physical Therapy. They're great. And my, P, my main PT, Ryan, is super. These are people that have a lot of letters after their names. They've been going to school for a long time. They really know what they're doing. And the reason you want that is because... Your knee is, the first two weeks of physical therapy, what they did is they would put all these these electrodes on my quadricep because what happens is your body, I think it's a self-protective thing. It switches off the mus, the main muscle around wherever the surgery is. So my, my quadricep was just like off. It just like wasn't firing. So we spent a couple weeks like waking that up and getting that going again. And now it's all about, you know, bringing back the strength into that leg because it, it just, you know, as I mentioned earlier, it was just weaker because I wasn't, I just didn't trust it enough. I just wasn't putting enough load on it. And now, you know, we're at about seven weeks and I, it's still maybe 10% weaker than the right one. But since we train both legs separately, so every, we don't, we don't do anything double leg, everything is single leg. So it's all single leg lunges, single leg presses, single leg RDLs, all that stuff. And that that really helps with the balance and it and it forces the weak leg to, you know, game up and, you know, let's take care of business here. Now, all of this, so I'm now at 7 weeks. At 6 weeks, they allowed me to go to the Simski trainer here in Park City, which is like my favorite toy. It's so cool. Unless you're a skier and you've actually been on the thing, it's really sort of hard to describe, but it's it's 
very realistic uh, simulated skiing with all the G-forces and the movement of the skis and everything. It's, it's super cool. So they cleared me to do that. And they said, you know, go easy the first couple times because it's going to be a novel movement on your knee. Up until that point, all the movements we've been doing in PT were just, you know, up and down. But now we've got up, down, and twist. There's a little bit of twist. And they said, you know, it's going to, your knee's going to take a, a moment to adjust to this. And, and it did. There is still some discomfort in the knee. And, and so I spoke to the PTs and I spoke to my doc. I said, hey, I still got this discomfort. And they're like, yeah, yeah. What's happened here, when you do a scope clean out of a knee, they go in there, they're essentially polishing the bottom of the meniscus, taking off as little material as they can, but to just smooth it out. You know, there was like a like, sort of fray, fraying material in there and it was just creating some friction. But now we have a new surface and it has to sort of mate to the surface below it. And it, that takes a little while. And they said, yeah, it's, it's not going to feel perfect, you know, for maybe another six months, but don't worry about it. And they, everybody's saying, like, don't worry about it. So, okay, they're the professionals. I'm not going to worry about it. We're going to take a break right now for a quick word from our sponsors, and we're going to wrap this up. Today's show is also brought to you by Inside Tracker, the dashboard to your inner health. I'm a big believer in getting blood tests taken because it's simply the only way to get in-depth data about your metabolic factors, your hormones, and the things that inform your immediate and long-term health. There are also excellent DNA tests that can further inform you about your immediate and long-term health. The problem is the most blood tests out there is you get a lot of information back and you get a lot of numbers and they're not really going to tell you what to do about it. In addition, they can be very confusing. What all the factors are, what they mean. Inside Tracker has a dashboard and a platform that simplifies all of that. I get food first, supplement second recommendations about how to optimize my inner health. For instance, I just got my test back and I saw that my calcium levels were a little low, which were surprising to me. But I have suggestions now about how to correct that. And I would not have known that had I not done an Inside Tracker blood test. Go to insidetracker.com slash ageist, save 20% on all their products today. Okay, so let's just sort of summarize things to think about here if you're going to have surgery. First, do you really need the surgery? Is there any other thing you can do? In my case, there wasn't. They said, you have a fraying meniscus. The only way to do this is just go in there and clean it up. So just make sure that it's something that really that you really need to do. Then if you really need to do it, find the very best person you can to get it done. Even if you got to wait a couple more weeks, whatever. you got a long runway of life in front of you. Get the very best docs you can. Get the very best physical therapy people lined up beforehand. Good PT is just worth its weight in gold is what I can say about that. And then before you have the surgery, lastly, make sure all the insurance stuff is like tightened up. Do not expect that this is just going to happen on its own. It may, but it may not. And if it doesn't, you can be in a world of financial pain. So then see if you can get like one of those cold machines I talked about. They're They're amazing. And then follow the directions of what the docs and the PTs tell you to do. You know, I, I know we all like to go out there and like do stuff sooner than we should, or at least some of us, at least, like, at least I do. And we have to restrain ourselves because we really want this healing process to proceed the way the professionals tell us it should. You know, we're not in the NBA. We don't have a championship game next week or something. That's, that's not us, Okay. 
So we just do what they tell us to do, but, but make sure you do it. Get those exercises in. And then the protein stuff, catabolic, anabolic, that was like all news to me. I think in terms of effectiveness, I'm not sure how much of an impact that HBOT made in my recovery. It's, you know, it's probably on the edges of recovery. Maybe it's so maybe it added like 5% or something. I think the big stuff was that cold machine. It was my PT. It was resting, sleeping. I've been, oh, that's the other thing we didn't address, my sleep. Oh my gosh. Last year's average sleep was, we're a whoop, so I have numbers on this, it was seven hours and I think 35 minutes. Right as soon as I got my surgery, my sleep for the last seven weeks has been averaging over eight hours and 30 minutes, which means, you know, body healing, right? So give your body the ability to do that. Make sure you can rest because any kind of stress, remember, Physical stress, there's emotional stress, there's sleep-deprived stress, there's, you know, whatever. Our body treats all this stress as the same. And if we don't have the energy that we need to apply to doing the tissue repair that we need, eh, it's not going to turn out as well. And then the bit about the protein. So that was a shocker. See if that may work for you. I hope that this has been helpful for you guys. I've gotten a lot of questions about how all this works. I'm going to be writing up a post with pictures and stuff in Aegis in the next week or two. I just haven't had a chance to do it. I will get to that. In the show notes, we'll leave as much of this as we can. If you have any questions about any of this, I know it's a lot of information. I talk kind of fast. Uh, just hit me up, davidsuperage.com. Happy to answer any questions you have. I really hope this was helpful to you guys. And if it was, maybe share it with somebody out there. That's the only way that we grow. Please share it with your friends, your family, anybody you think who could benefit from this. And if you're feeling really generous, and I hope you are, leave us a review if you could. Hopefully a good one and you know up to five stars. And you can leave us a comment if you like. We would love that. This is the saga of my knee and its progress. And I can tell you at seven weeks, the PT is just... My PT Ryan thinks I'm like training for like the Olympics or something and they're just destroying me. I can tell you I'm going to be way stronger coming into this winter than I was last year. And I was in pretty good shape last year, but th this year I, I can just feel like my strength, my balance is so much better. And I, and I trust my left leg, which I wasn't doing before. So <laughs> looking forward to the winter. Everyone have a wonderful week. Thank you so much for your time and your attention. I really value it. I know there's a lot of other things you could be doing now besides listening to me talking about knee recovery, but hopefully this is useful to you. Have a great week, guys, and we'll see you next week. Take care now.